Welcome to Behavior Fit Radio, where we talk health, fitness, and behavior analysis. I'm your host, Nick Green. Welcome to the show. Dr. Nick Green, welcome back to the Behavioral Observations Podcast. How you doing, man? Thank you. Yeah, it's, a, it's got a nice little ring to it. It's the first time I've been introduced that way in a long time, so I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to be back chatting with you, you know, giving you updates, and um, yeah, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, and it's the uh, it's the show we meant to do last January, and uh, <laughs> life right. got in the way. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah I got tied up with uh, finishing school and, um, you know, raising my first child, and um, yeah, things happen. So I'm glad we're back. Yeah, same, same here. And so, uh, let, let's start by, uh, talking about what's new with you since you've last been on the show. Obviously we're referring to you as the, the, the doctor, Nick Green. Um, yeah. so obviously there's, there's that you've moved, you've done a lot of cool things. So just, uh, kind of bring us up to speed to, with, uh, what's going on with, with Nick sure. and then we'll kind of get into the, uh, just, you know, some of the other things we plan to talk about. Sure thing, yeah. So I was looking back at the, the episode we did, and the last the last time we recorded was back in March of uh, 2018. Wow. And so, um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's January of 2020 when wow. we're recording. Time flies. Yeah, even though you and I, like, we saw each other at HABA back uh, at Hoosier ABA, you know, just over a year ago. But since then, over 2019, I did graduate. Yeah, so I finished up with my Ph.D. in behavior analysis at uh, – the prestigious University of Florida behavior analysis program there. So um, that was a great time, of course. I really enjoyed my my time there. It flew by. Um, four years doesn't sound like it, but um, yeah, graduated in May. I spent some time over the summer uh, working in an adjunct faculty position, actually in the um, in the College of Public Health and Health Professions, which was down the hill from uh, the psych building at UF. But uh, yeah, I had a nice opportunity to work in uh, – Work as basically like a, a wellness program um, clinician where I helped develop um, some wellness program for the employees there. So I did that over the summer, and then um, my family and I are uh, from Indiana, and so we moved back to Indiana to be closer to family and friends. And so I got a nice um, a nice position um, at an ABA company where I'm um, largely an internal like OBM organizational behavior management consultant. And so uh, we've been back here in uh, in Indiana, Indianapolis, um, since uh, September of 2019. Awesome. So h- how has that transition been to, you know, working for a, you know, you so you had this kind of non-traditional, I guess, research track as it relates to behavior analysis. Uh, and even though you're doing more OBM stuff and not direct clinical work, how has that transition been back in at least for lack it's of been, better, closer to the mainstream of, of right, standard yeah. ABA so practice. I definitely, um, I have uh, really fixed office, you know, work hours. So that's kind of new. You know, when you're a grad student, it's pretty much whenever the work gets done, that's when it needs to get done. But um, it's been nice to kind of have a break, you know, to focus on, okay, here we go, Monday through Friday. I can take weekends off, which feels really nice. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a bit of a transition from, you know, a lot going on with going from school to living in, you know, a new state, all those life transitions that happen. But, um, yeah, my role, um, the company I work for is great. And so I have a lot of flexibility. So the day to day isn't too different because I have a lot of freedom and independence. So I appreciate that. So, um, but yeah, it is a big transition and I've, uh, it's been a nice, uh, respite from the day to day grind of a graduate student. Very cool. All right. So, 
the the I guess we should talk about the original impetus to to have this show going. Uh, you know, jumping in the time machine of about a year ago, uh, mm-hmm. you and I were talking about uh, you know like having a show about New Year's. Uh, you know, I I, I don't want to say the R word, but uh, I, I don't <laughs> I think we said resolution per se. But you know, right? I, I don't know. It's obviously a good time for people to take stock in terms of what's going on with their lives and Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of contemplative about, you know, making improvements and things like that, whether you want to call them resolutions or not. I don't think I've ever really made a resolution per se. I I just bristle at the term. That's Mm -hmm. just me. But we started talking about, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe I could be like a a, somewhat of of a, of a test case or a Guinea pig, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And I think last year, you know, because my, my kind of fitness stuff kind of goes in spurts, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and um, in the summertime, my schedule is a little bit lighter, you know, being based at primarily as a school consultant. And so I spend sure. a lot of time, you know, uh, mountain biking and, you know, being active with the kids and all that stuff. And then, you know, winter is about 11 months here in New Hampshire. And uh, it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to stay active. Uh, and uh, even though I've, filled my my basement with all sorts of fitness yep. toys it's uh yeah that's you know. something real quick i'll, just, I'll pause you right there with sure. the transition something that i i noticed too being indiana the winters have snow here and it's colder and so i i would say on average i don't have any data to back this up but i probably took my dog on a walk for two to three walks probably every day in florida um but now in indiana it's just colder and then i get home and that that's a different you know work-life balance, lifestyle habit there, something that changed um, that I, you know, I'm a full-time employee now, so I'm away from the house. So that's that's completely different. So I, I have noticed I've been getting fewer steps because I'm not walking my dog as much because of all those other changes that happened yeah, in yeah. life. Yeah, so these, thi- these things happen. And, um, you know, so in- interestingly, I was actually on a really good streak of, of, of working out and kind of watching what I eat all throughout the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I got some good advice from... Uh, um, there's a Instagrammer that I follow. Um, his name is Dave Bonillo, I think. Um, okay, cool. And, uh, I, I actually messaged him cause I thought one of his posts was, was really, really neat. And, uh, uh, and he said, look, if you have any questions, you know, just uh, shoot me an email. And so I sent him an email and I was like, you know, uh, I want to, you know, I, I kind of want to get in a little bit better shape, uh, you know, and the only times I've ever really gotten in like really, really, really good shape as a, as a grown up, if you, I'm not talking not mm-hmm. as like a, someone in their twenties, but as someone in their, like their thirties or forties, is oh. um, you know, probably about uh, some, gosh, it's probably like five or six years ago, I was training for a hundred kilometer mountain bike race, mm-hmm. uh, and so I was just putting in tons and tons and tons of miles, mm-hmm. and you know. I guess my my general question is like, is there a way to, as as a grown up to get in shape without having to live like a monk and work out like a, like a madman, you know? Um, and so he suggested basically uh, using this app called My Fitness Pal, uh, which mm-hmm. before that I wasn't really aware of. And so I started tracking calories and things like that, things that I've never done. Before. I, in previous, I swore I would never track calories, but it actually makes it pretty easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got in this nice little, you know, so I tracked calories for a little while. Uh, and I had some uh, success with that. I was on a kind of a, um, a consistent kind of workout regime. So I, um, 
as you know, I kind of like the kettlebells, but I also picked up uh, just you know Facebook Marketplace. It can be a good thing, can be a dangerous thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, they keep sending me these ads for stuff that I I just have to have, and so I ended up picking up yeah. like a bench and a squat rack and. Now you need some, a sled, and now you wigs. need you know eight forty-five pound plates, and now <laughs> you need right. now you need this different type of squat bar. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, I got Don't the yeah, I got the trap in. bar. It's yeah, a, I, got, a... I got the straight bar and the trap bar. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting the home gym kind of kitted out. Be figuratively, literally, a reinforcement trap bar. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. Uh, anyway, so I was on a good streak there, but mm-hmm. then the holidays came, and I kept up a decent. Uh, pattern throughout the holidays but i just um i just came back from a from a trip to, uh overseas i have a i have a buddy as i was we were chatting before we hit record here um just for the listeners to have some context one of my best friend growing up um has lived in europe for the last 25 years and he's always offered like a free place to stay and a, you know mm-hmm. yada 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 and so we we finally uh kind of saved up enough to bring the family over there and uh so we were over in france Eating cheese, eating bread, drinking wine. So Having we were a good there time. For, yeah, oh yeah, it was awesome. Uh, we were kind of active. You know, we, we went for lots of walks and things like that. Um, actually, got to ski over there a couple of times, which mm. was awesome. Um, uh, and then, and and prior to that, like the just because we were so busy getting prepared to, you know, um, just packing and buying stuff that we needed for the trip and whatnot, you know. Uh, the the workout regimen kind of went out the window probably mm-hmm. at least a full week before we left as well. And then coming back, a couple of days, of, you know, kind of really significant jet lag. You know, so we're looking sure. at, you know, almost almost a month of just kind of like getting really, really out of whack. I think uh, I probably, mm-hmm. you know, probably put on about five or six pounds or so. I, I waited a couple of days since you know, I got back to step on the scale, <laughs> the, the <laughs> dust to settle, if you will. That's funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then around sure. the same time, you, you you reached out to me and said, "Hey, let's do this episode." I was like, "Yes, let's do this episode." <laughs> you know, yeah, like, it this was is like perfect. Hey, it's that time of the year. It's 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 that New Year's resolution has a very strong stimulus control on these types of uh, activities and things that we talk about. So, um, yeah, at first I just said, you know. Don't be so hard on yourself. You had a great time, right? <laughs> it was a vacation. It served its pers- purpose. You had, oh yeah. You ate excellent food. So now you're on the, now you're on the rebound. And now it's just a matter of like, okay, you did spend you know the past couple of years developing a program to you know buying equipment. Now it's like you know what you have done, and now it's now you're coming to the table with a new baseline set of skills and a new baseline set of knowledge. And now it's constantly reevaluating like what's next. And yeah. It seems like that's where you're at. Yeah, totally. So I have a couple of ideas about just kind of how to how to, you know, kind of get back on the track here. And so I thought it would be fun that you know if I kind of explain to you what I have in mind, then you can kind of mm-hmm. uh, you can be the the the, the discussant, if you will. And then Same, obviously yeah. the, the, be good. the the larger picture here, however, is not just to talk about what's going on with me, but it's to relate this to to general principles that listeners can use in their own life. So you know, so whatever. Uh, whatever you know comes up in the conversation that would be relevant, yeah, to to um, you know uh, uh, to to everyone uh, g- more generally. Feel feel free to to reference mm-hmm. that as well. So um, yeah, so I, I broke I I broke this out in a couple of categories here of uh, you know what I what I want to do, uh, and I guess the first thing I want to start with is you know having set the context in terms of the timing. 
and, and it's mm-hmm. just funny because this could have happened anytime. It just so happens that the the it fell around you know the start of the year. So right, uh, but uh, here we are. Um, so I guess one of the things I want to talk about first is just kind of like the big picture, yeah, general or principles. Is is one is I, I I've been. Um, you know, getting back to what I was talking about earlier, I don't have the ability to uh, spend a ton of time uh, working out. I don't right. have uh, uh, the ability to spend tons and tons of time, um, you know, preparing exotic meal plans and things like that. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, so I, I wanted to kind of keep this this intervention, if you will, very simple sure. uh, and, and very doable. Uh, I also, I think that uh, I'm realistic in terms of goals, you know, and one of the things mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not looking to, uh, uh, you know, I'm just looking to, to, to lighten up a little bit, just, just not for any kind of vanity purpose, but, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just feel better that way, you know, yeah. I'm not looking to get on the cover of men's health, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, uh, and I am, you know, not looking to, well, you maybe know, you start small, you work at. You're in uh, New Hampshire, right? Yeah. You get on the cover of New Hampshire Health, and then you get on, you know, the Northeast Health, and <laughs> then you right. work up to national. So you, that's right. Kind of right. start. You're starting a little too big there, man. You just gotta yeah, scale yeah. back those there goals go. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what would the cover of New Hampshire Health look like? Yeah. Oh, that'd be that'd be a fun <laughs> kind of caption. What you live in? That's right. If someone ice fishing or something like that, you know, uh, someone <laughs> in a bob house drinking a beer. Um, anyway, um, so another, you know. Uh, uh, and it also, uh, you know, um, uh, what I don't want to do is kind of um, uh, live so spartanly, if you will, that uh, you know I don't have you know any fun, you know. So I want some flexibility in, ter- in terms of what what I'm doing here, um, and, and and I don't really have much in the way of specific weight goals per se. I, I have a range in terms of where I feel good at. You know, and so, um, uh, and one of the things I'm doing differently that I've never done before uh, is, in addition to tracking weight, I'm also um, tracking waist circumference. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, around like basically the 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 thickest part of the of the midsection, so like sure. just just below the belly button, um, because you know if I'm going to be doing weight training, I you know might trade you know, uh, ideally muscle for, for fat. And so my weight might sure. not change all that much, but mm-hmm. composition might, you know, so. Well, anyway. if all your muscle goes around your waist, then it's not going to change at all. <laughs> Hypothetically, right? That's true. That's true. So, um, so those, those are basically my, my, you know, some, some, uh, f- first principles that I kind of wanted to hear too. I want it to be kind of simple. Um, mm-hmm. I want to have a little bit of flexibility. So, um, and and I I would probably I I'm the kind of person who does better with uh, frequent shorter workouts rather than like you know multi hour gym marathons if you will you know mm-hmm. um, so sure. I think that's something I also you know so I, right it's, it's so efficiency for, is important if it, yeah yeah and I don't mind putting in more days um, mm-hmm. if you will I, it's easier for me to grab you know. 40, 30 to 45 minutes a day than it would be to do like, you know, three, two hour, you know, kind of gym sessions. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, um, so that's, that's the first kind of, I guess, thing I want to talk about is, you know, what, uh, what, what, what I want, what do I want to get out of this? What are the, 
kind of general features of of what I want to do and and how how to measure. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's um, definitely a good uh, good first set of goals. I've uh, been some re- you know just been thinking about how I you know coach with my clients and kind of revamped retools, kind of three different you know strategies when working with clients. And the first one would be you know do you just need more movement. The second one would be, are you trying to learn a new skill that could be, you know, um, if you're learning how to ski or I don't, I've never skied before. So maybe I want to learn how to, you know, ski for my physical activity and exercise. And maybe the third bucket would be, um, do I want to apply my, you know, my skills and movement to some type of, you know, practice or activity. Like you said, you previously trained for a, what was it? A hundred K bike ride or something. Yeah. Is that correct? Yep. Right. So, you know, that, I think those types of activities, right. So you already, you knew how to ride a bike, you had the miles, you're moving. So what you wanted to work on was kind of like that applied performance piece. And so it seems like you're, you know, following probably right now in that kind of just more movement, right. You're coming off of one month of, you know, inactivity. You have a, a long history of working out and trying new things. Um, your 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 gym is in your basement, correct? That's where you have your yep. equ- equipment, yep. right? So access to workout materials is uh, uh, just feet away. It's, your bedroom's probably like right up there, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, and just like I mentioned before, it's like you know you have a history of success, and now you're just kind of in this lull period where you want to get back on the horse, so to speak. So now it's just a matter of thinking like, what is it that you want to like? What part of working out is most important to you? Um, and your, your goals that you talked about, so your waist, your waist circumference, losing weight, um, those are going to be, you know, process measures. Those are going to be, you know, something that might be called like a lagging measure. Those are going to be the output, the exhaust of the behaviors that you engage in, whether that's changing diet, increasing exercise, whatever it is. So, Mm. you know, you know, right now, from what it sounds like, it's, you've probably exercised zero times, you know, specifically for health benefits over the past month. And so it seems like now, you know, I think about what, what was your previous frequency of workouts? You know, was it four or five days a week? And if it was zero in between, do you just want to start with three for a month? Do you want to go right back to four, see how it works and start there? And then you can start looking at, okay, um, we have the frequency down now. What am I doing when I, when I go to the gym, right? When right. I go to my, when I go to my, uh, my workout place in my basement, you know, so um, that's kind of the first thing to think about. So with that being said, if it's frequency, maybe it's a different skill. I don't think it's a skill. So, um, what do you think now with yeah, those so, comments? Um, I, well, I can tell you about what I, so what I, I guess want to do is perhaps kind of return to, to what was I think working. And I think that's something, um, uh, I think I heard Tim Ferriss talk about uh, on one of his podcasts. He actually keeps a work. I, I don't do this, but he actually keeps uh, workbooks uh, or uh, notebooks of, of all his workouts mm-hmm. and right. with meticulous notes and dates and things like that. And uh, so um, if he sees a picture of himself, uh, you know, from years and years ago where he's, you know, looks a certain way that he, that he likes, he can go, reference that particular notebook oh, and right. see what yeah. he was doing at that period of time uh that was uh that was helpful so uh in a in a in a much less sophisticated way i think probably what i what i want to do is kind of return to the same things that you know that was working for me so i probably mm-hmm. will kind of jump into a more frequent 
uh, you know, I guess, uh, frequency of working out per week. Um, and, and I would probably just keep things light so as not to, mm -hmm. you know, get super sore right away and then just, you know, have this turn into some aversive experience. There'll be some of that, mm -hmm. that'll, that's going to come naturally, but, right. um, and this kind of maps on to like when I start with a, working with a client that, you know, let's say somebody that just starting blank slate has no, you know, consistent workout history, you know, you want to start with setting time to two to three days a week, you're doing something related to your health and exercise and physical activity. You start there, right? And then we start adding an additional measure. So recently, um, with the client I just spoke with today, going on, I think this was back in September when we started, we were like, okay, we're going to start with two to three times. We're going to figure out the time. And there's more involved with this, but just for this conversation's sake, we looked at, okay, let's look at your step counts. You know, we're going to go on purpose for walks, three days a week, see what happens. Step counts didn't budge. It's like, okay, well, that didn't work, so we need to change something. And simple measures for her were just step counts and um, how many walks that we took specifically, like, each week. And then she eventually found um, an activity, uh, an organized group fitness class that she liked. She did that, and then it became, okay, we started measuring visits, right? So then now you can see shaping happening where we're just changing one thing at a time while measuring one thing at a time. We, we eventually, you know, modified things over the months, but we started measuring frequency of, you know, gym attendance. And then we tracked the steps. Okay, things weren't changing. Okay, we need to change our intervention. Then we looked at, okay, you're at the gym. Okay, now I can start playing around with, okay, now we're in the gym for an hour and we're seeing the intensity minutes, which is, you know, a heart rate-based measure that is in a lot of the wearables, right, Apple Watches. Um, Garmin's, Fitbits, all those things. So now we can start looking at that. And it's like, okay, now you're at the gym. Now we need to make sure those intensity minutes are up and higher. And then we can start setting goals. So there's a lot to even get to like that, you know, most common athletic exercise recommendations, you know, that are recommended by the American College of Sports Medicine is 150 minutes of moderate, vigorous physical activity. So, you know, it might sound easy to say, oh, we're going to go 30, 50, 100, 150, but even before you can start making that jump, you have to get the frequency of the behavior happening and a preferred activity, and you need to have that working for you for a good two to four months before we even get to that goal setting. And that's, you know, well, well, a lot of the, a lot of the pieces that are missing, and you know, just these general recommendations. You said 150 minutes of vigorous activity. Yeah, within, moderate. With within what span of time? Oh, yeah, 150 minutes per week. Okay, all right. Yeah, so that's the average of uh, 30 minutes per day. I or, see. Uh, 30 minutes five days a week. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you have um, case studies on your on your website? Like that, I do. That... Yeah, I have a I have a variety. I have uh, five now with just different target behaviors, different um, different rationales for coaching. You know, one was uh, evaluating, um, you know, a running program. One was uh, my the client that I'm working with now. She uh, was pre diabetes and then just through walking interventions and now exercise. Um, regular exercise in this fitness class. She doesn't have that that label anymore because her she went to the doctor and her blood sugar levels are where they need to be. Awesome. Um, to not be categorized as um, pre-diabetic, which is amazing. She put all the work in. So um, that was the most recent case study. But you'll see, yeah, there's there's uh, five now on my website. All right, and that's behaviorfit.com. Yep, behaviorfit.com, all, all right, one so word. We'll put a link to that, and we'll put a link to the specific uh, case studies page as well and I know there. for you to relate this back to like what you're what you want to work on 
is that, I mean, you, I know you, just through personal conversations we've had over the years that you have experience with programming and you, that you, um, you know, you're seeking out people, professionals in the field to help guide you on what, like what specific movements and what rep schemes you need. So now it's just a matter of, okay, whose program do I want to do? You could just jump on an old program and then think about, you know, now what your current work situation is following vacation and the new winter and all that that's happening, school starting again. So it's like, all right, I know, you know, um, yeah, you know, kids are off, they have a play or whatever. So I know I can do at least two days, at least, you know, decide on that, you know, commit whatever, whatever strategy, whatever verbal behavior strategy you want to use, um, you know, start there and then, you know, give yourself a month to settle back in and then start tweaking one or two things along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get to kind of some of the ideas I have about the kind of workout regimen, but mm-hmm. cool. as we talked about in our first conversation, you had a great quote, uh, I think it was something to the effect of, you know, you can't outrun a bad diet. So I, <laughs> I want, I want to, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I have in mind to kind of get my, um, nutrition stuff kind of closely back on track. Um, and, um, Let's see where, okay, yeah. So the, the general general ideas that I that I have for this, and, and again, this is kind of going back to stuff that I've found that's worked in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll tell you what, what I have what I have in mind. So I, I'm, I, I've tr- uh, I'm not, I, I know what I'm not good at. And what I'm not good at is, 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 is um, you know, kind of eating patterns. I was gonna say diet, but I hate that word too. It's almost mm-hmm. up there with resolution. But um, eating patterns that are that are uh, very rigid and and restrictive, um, you know, and, and so like, um, would it be great to do like a pure you know paleo or something like that? Yeah, that would that would be that would be great. But you know the real the you know at the end of the day, I've got three kids. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, you know, I've got a, you know, so the family does not, they may not necessarily eat the same way I eat. So it's not realistic to, to make like three different things based on people's, you know, various family members, individual preferences or, or, or nutritional needs or what have you. Uh, or at least that doesn't work for me. I know some people do do that, but I'm not. Um, and, uh, you know, so, but, but my general, I guess, ideas here or general uh, goals are to uh, limit not necessarily avoid but just limit uh, access to things like um, you know I mean in other words be, be, be somewhat smart in other words you know um, not not eating a lot of you know uh, carby snacks bread ice cream mm-hmm. uh, you know just the, the kind of no-brainers if you will you know especially mm-hmm. things like sweets um, yeah. fortunately I, I have more of a savory, uh, as opposed to a sweet tooth. Um, sure. so I'm, I'm happy with, you know, that, that, that I mean that I, I don't really need sweets in my life. It, yeah. Uh, unfortunately I have a household of people that, that are, uh, the opposite. <laughs> so they're around, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, but you know, it's not uncommon for us to have, you know, uh, rice or pasta with along with other things for dinner and stuff like that and so i don't want to set up you know such a rigid eating you know pattern that you know i think the the world's going to come to an end if uh mm-hmm. you know if i have you know um uh you know a, a little bit of rice on the side or potato or what have you so 
Yeah. There's no, that. I think the, those are all kind of fair, you know, comments that probably most people share too, like about, you know, diets and eating and ideas and, you know, I want to be flexible and all these things. And I'll just preface my next comments by saying I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a recommending any certain programs out there. I'm not, you know, I don't know. That's not my, that's not my wheelhouse. I know sure. more physical activity, behavior change, exercise, fitness, those type of things. Now, what we can begin looking at, I think, if we're speaking to an audience of behavior analysts is just like you said, um, you know, we, what is, the, there's a couple of things that come to mind right away that you want to possibly eliminate, reduce, or replace, right? So if it is breads and sweets and, you know, I try to take a more, a simple pragmatic approach and if you feel that, you know, loosely speaking here, that uh, you're probably eating too many, you know, uh, desserts during the week or if you're maybe having too many beers then um not you personally but if you're just having too many alcoholic drinks you know <laughs> i think it just came up from you know you and i had some good that's right that's right, that's right yeah, yeah. hoisted a few uh, for yeah, sure. yeah yeah so it's like if that's something that you think you know needs to be adjusted i think we just take a very basic applied approach to okay let's take baseline for a week and decide and say okay i want to reduce my starchy sweets or whatever it is i i know i always eat rice on the side so just measure it and if that's you know if let's say rice is a common staple in your family then just buy a scale measure the rice then the next week cut the rice in half well you know just do that for a couple weeks and that's i think that's the big that's the hardest thing so we want to take an experimental approach to this and you know we all want to i think maybe do everything at once and just hope it works right we don't want to do the we don't want to hope and pray it works like just just you know well, there's this there's many good vices out there. It's like we're, you know, sparkling water is better than, you know, regular water. So, um, you know, craft beer could be better than regular beer. So just look at like, what are those things? If it's, if it's something this is, you know, what I've heard from other people that are prof professionals and speak more to this is like, if this is something that you absolutely love, then just try changing something else. You know, maybe yeah. you need to increase water consumption. So it's not so much like, um, you know, you, you don't want to have this, paleo or vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian or you know i don't i don't really get into all the specifics but if you want to evaluate it you can in a in a fairly applied you know i think systematic way um and in general i think you know again getting back to recommendations as it relates to any type of you know diet for you know argument's sake is you know the my fitness pal which you brought up they have you know here's what the recommended calorie intake is that's you know i think the science is pretty clear on calories burned in and out that's a pretty good rule of thumb to follow that's been established by you know uh researchers ahead of us that um you know if you pop in your age height and weight and into my fitness pound it gives you a range you know i did it for my current client her range is 1800 to 2200 i'm not recommending i said hey it looks like my fitness pal which is based on science they recommend this range so just stay in there we did that and and she did okay and she lost weight and but i didn't i didn't tell her to eat more or less of one thing i said keeping your calories work on the activity and we'll go from there yeah you know i'm glad you mentioned that because i was going to bring that up uh and i think that is something that was a little bit of a game changer and again i got that from dave vanillo um and uh he um he, you know it's funny he's he's a very pragmatic guy and uh he actually did this thing for well, i forget what month it was but he did like this thing like 30 days of of drinking and his point was to be, you know, he does all these kind of absurd things. It's like, you know, he's like, you can uh, maintain and or lose weight even when you 
uh, and, and in this case, do something, you know, that people always say you shouldn't do if you want to lose weight. And this point was yeah. basically like more of a calorie in, calorie out as opposed to a macro profile. Yeah. And, and Sounds so, like he's taking a functional approach. Yeah. Well, basically what he did is he, you know, he measured his calorie intake and um, uh, incorporated the calories with whatever he happened to be drinking at the time to stay within the, the, the that window that was um, uh, churned out by, in, you know, putting your, your, your height and weight and age data into, t- into my fitness pal, or I forget, I don't know if he was using that. He might've been using something else, but it, it was really funny because it, it was just, you know, such a, uh, funny way to, to prove a point basically. That, uh, and so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and but it sounds like, past, he... you know, oh, in terms of that, using that app is, you know, cause I did that too. And it's like, all right, you know, so I think for me, my uh, calorie range is like 1900 or it's almost 2000 calories a day basically and Mm -hmm. so i would you know plug in you know what i ate and a lot of times i was just kind of estimating you know size or or, or portions and things like that um Mm -hmm. and um it actually it it worked really really well uh you know and it's it's a it's a fairly easy thing to use you can you know you can put you know it sounds like a commercial for the for the app it's not it's just you know it, i think there's a couple of different apps out there that that kind of right. do the same thing um this one just happens yeah, but to I, be- I think what you're bringing up is just a general repertoire of behaviors that um has to be developed whether it's tracking your eating for weight loss or anything else it's like you have to spend the time to track and monitor your own behavior and we know from the research when you you know when you uh, see graphic feedback on your own behavior, that tends to change behavior. When you're self-managing, we know that uh, that could be an effective intervention. You know, just observing your own, you know, observing the products of your own behavior, like that, are those are effective interventions. And so I think those are, you know, um, those are pragmatic and um, parsimonious, I think, explanations of, you know, behavior change and then these long-term outcomes of we don't need to say it's, you know, some magic diet. It's like, oh, we just, we did this. Uh, we, we counted our calories. We exer- we made sure we exercised and, you know, those variables all correlated and we're, you know, we're happy with our results. And so I think that for me, you know, that's my probably oversimplistic approach to, you know, addressing health and fitness with behavior analysis. But, you know, if, the, if, if we have really good, valid and reliable data, then I'm happy with that. Yeah, you know, and, and another thing too I, I've noticed is that when I've used that um, uh, consistently, when you go to reach for something else to eat, and you're like, I'm going to have to log that. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that's effort, a powerful right? thing right there. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to have to write that down. You know, yep. that's going to be put into the thing and, and, and it's going to, and, and, and you'll see your graph of the day bump up. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, so there's, (laughs) there's that aspect of it too, that, uh, I, for me, that is, that is a powerful, uh, that's a, that's, that, that's a powerful, uh, aspect of, of doing this. So, Mm -hmm. um, so one thing I, I, I've been kind of playing around with too is, uh, I've actually been doing this for a while is, um, another kind of faddish type of word. Uh, and, uh, I, I think the term itself has evolved, you know, for originally I was referring to it as, uh, as intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, uh, as more research is done in this area, and again, I'm not just like you, I'm, this is not an area of my expertise, but I, 
Um, I, I, I have heard people discuss the research in this area that you know continues to come out and things like that so you know basically for you know for the last couple of years probably at least two or three years i've for the for the most part not always but for the most part i've stopped eating breakfast mm-hmm. yeah uh, and for a while i was just having uh um coffee with 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 cream in the mm-hmm. morning and now i'm now I'm down to black coffee. I've been just having black coffee. Uh, All right. Yeah, I actually, you know, I never ever thought I would be drinking black coffee. You know, I love it. <laughs> just, it's great, you know. It's, yeah, it's the same thing happened to me when I, um, you know, decided to remove a lot of the added sugar out of my diet. Again, not a recommendation for everybody other than if you follow the American Heart Association that having more than 24 grams of added sugar a day, then by all means, follow that recommendation. But um, just in general, yeah, just having all that refined sugar out of the coffee, out of all the any other the teas and sure. you know, soft drinks, things like that. Don't you know? Don't drink those anymore. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's just amazing when you just kind of understand some basic, you know, physiological principles of not having so much sugar in your blood. How like you just feel better all the time. Yeah, definitely. So um, so yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing that, um, and, and you know, I I think there is some. Uh, I, th- I think people ascribe some kind of magical properties to to eating like that, you know. And, and I, I think mm-hmm. for me, I think what a, I don't think there's anything magical about uh, time restricted feeding, which is what I I prefer to call it, which I think is what is more accurate in terms of what the literature refers to it as, because basically, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're just changing the time, you, you know times at which you eat not necessarily changing how much you eat although that can be that is probably the outcome of it though and i think that's probably what has helped me you know lose some weight in the past is that Mm -hmm. you know when you're when you reduce your meals from from three to two and occasionally Mm -hmm. i'll do one meal a day um uh you know it, it it just makes overeating um harder you know sure although you can overdo it uh, or at least I've found that, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I have to be really uh, aware and catch myself. Sometimes I'll, I'll get this mate- mentality, this kind of entitlement mentality, like, you know, and the same thing happens, I think, sometimes after people do like a big workout. It's like, oh, I deserve this gigantic oh, portion right. of, yeah. of, you yeah. know, fill in the blank, you right. know, because I've worked out or because, you know, I haven't eaten all day and it's now 2.30 in the afternoon and I'm sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat like a Viking you know, mm-hmm. um, you know and, uh, um, so you have to be careful that that doesn't, you know, uh, uh, come, come, uh, come up and, um, really throw you off. But that's something that I've been, um, you know, probably will return to, you know, when I was away, um, you know, again, just trying to take up the local culture breakfast, you know, over there is, you know, it's not a, not a big breakfast, but the breakfast mm-hmm. is some sort of pastry, whether it's a croissant or a pan chocolat or, you know, mm-hmm. some other, you know, some other thing. And, um, you know, I was, you know, practicing the kind of when in Rome, uh, philosophy. Right. Um, so oh, of course, yeah. And, uh, it's because, you know, Hey, why not? Um, so. And now I don't know the, the literature on intermittent fasting, but to me, it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the basic idea is count, you know, um, controlling for the number of calories and you just restrict the timing then your body responds in a way that helps you 
lose weight or produces health benefits. Is that right? So instead of eating 2,000 calories throughout the day, you just eat 2,000 calories at night and then there's health benefits there. Is that the basic idea? Uh, Yes. Um, I think that's what it is. And again, there's probably people listening to this who are more knowledgeable at this, who are screaming at their iPhones right now. It's like, no, you dummies, (laughs) you got it wrong. And if so, please, please uh, comment on this episode. Let it, you know, uh, feel free to, uh, to to educate us here, um, but I, I yeah I think that's the the basic idea. But I also think that just for for, for me looking at my experience with it, if I'm doing um, a time restricted feeding, it's much easier for me to stay under that two thousand calorie limit mm-hmm. uh, okay. because for uh, it just just again just talking about my own experience, it's I, I love food, I love to eat. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, you know, growing up, in, in, you know, half Italian, you know, right, you right, know, right. small portions are, you know, it's not part of my be- behavioral repertoire. You know? Sure. I just ask about that, you know, small difference there, because if I'm thinking of this experimentally, you know, how would I evaluate this? You know, if, if, if a client came to me and said, Hey, I'm going to try this, you know, I'm thinking about what would I measure and it would be okay. Well, you know, having specific calorie counts met every single day will be hard, but if we could make sure that, okay, if we're not going to eat for most of the day, then let's make sure that we're only consuming, you know, this range, because then we have two different variables happening at the same time, so we can't see if it, we can't say if the weight loss or health benefits is, is because of a calorie restriction or a calorie gain, or if it's because of this time, you know, the time difference. So if you have two different things changing, we don't know which one's responsible. And that, so that's how I would think about it. That's why I asked that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, again, I think people ascribe kind of magical, again, magical properties to this type of process because, like, yep. if you ate 5,000 calories, if you just had dinner but your dinner was 5,000 calories, well, you're, you're, you're likely you're going to gain yeah. weight. You know? Right, exactly. So that's the point. So it's like, okay, I didn't eat all day, but when I ate at midnight, I ate five cakes, 5,000 calories, and intermittent fasting didn't work for me. I was like, well... What was the variable that probably moved was you ate too many calories at the wrong time and, yeah. you know, hold, holding exercise constant, all those things. So it's, you know, these, this, this is just how our little behavior analyst brains think, right? Well, you know, it's funny, Nick. I, I, I think um, I think you're onto something because, you know, when when you look at the, you know, and I don't know if there's people doing this work or not, but, you know, when you when you hear about these kind of nutritional intervention studies or even exercise, let's say like you know, someone's doing research on like high intensity interval training, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most of that research are, are, you know, is a, is a between groups design, mm-hmm. you know, you know, your, 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 um, randomized group, you know, uh, type of, you know, control and experimental group stuff. Uh, wouldn't it be, and I always think about when I hear about those studies, it's like, you know, wouldn't that be cool to do in a within subjects design that, you know, that we're familiar with? Obviously, people mm-hmm. outside of our little single subject world, you know, kind of just understand the traditional research design right. arrangement, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, that, you know, wouldn't that be cool to do have some cool, like kind of multiple baseline with a group with a cohort of like a half a dozen people? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so just to like measure the effectiveness of the high intensity training, yeah, or whatever, versus whatever some other, training. yeah, whatever yeah. the independent variable happens to be, whether or or whether it's you know time restricted feeding or or, or what have you, you know, um, yeah. So I I always imagine what what you know, and I don't know if there's anyone 
doing that type of work with a behavior analytic background who who could bring our kind of research methods to bear mm-hmm. on that. Uh, well, you know, Jim Jim Moore did the Olympic lifting um, mm-hmm. uh, study, so that was more of a you know just a task analysis to see what the best way to teach those lifts were. That's a, that's the closest literature, or the, that's the literature that's closest, I think, to what we we're talking about. Um, but again, right, we still you know the point about the nutrition, the point about these group studies is that we can't we can't say you know with confidence that something did or did not work if more, you know, more than one variable is changing. So, yeah. So I'll say one more thing about kind of my, my, the, the approach I have in mind here too. Uh, and again, this is harkening back to stuff that I've, I've, I've tried in the past that I, I think has been helpful is that is, is to look at calories and not just in terms of a singular day, you know, because again, I, I live in the real world. Mm hmm. Um, you know, if I go to a, uh, you know, um, my middle kid's gonna, you know, uh, gonna turn 13 here in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. we're likely going to have cake and ice cream, you know, You're um, right. <laughs> uh, you know, you brought up the, uh, you brought up the B word, uh, earlier and, uh, you know, all my circle of friends were all craft beer nerds. And you know, every <laughs> right. once in a while, we'll get together and have like a a beer tasting. We'll all bring something different, you know. And, and those like are those are great fun, and those are huge social reinforcers. Among, in addition mm-hmm. to the primary reinforcers that go along, right, right. right. <laughs> um, and and uh, I, I probably sound like to, to many listeners right now that I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too. Right. Um, but uh, you know, so what I, what I want to kind of do is is look at you know, kind of calorie intake over the span of say like a week. So if I know that I'm, you know, uh, I've got something coming up that is going to be, you know, kind of, uh, um, that, that's really going to throw off the, 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 the calorie count that I, that I can perhaps try to adjust for that going into that and afterwards, you know? Um, so again, I'm just telling you stuff uh, and it could just be clear to everyone listening, you know, that uh, stuff that I've found helpful for myself, I'm not saying go go out and do this. You, everyone's going to mm-hmm. have to kind of do their own uh, uh, due diligence, I guess, for lack right, of a yeah. term. But, you know, yeah, so. I, I just kind of ascribe to the idea of like cha- if changing something is going to bring you less, you know, less joy than maybe it would produce. Like if if drinking, you know, one less, two less new tasty beers on the weekend with your friends isn't is gonna not be worth kind of the 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 lack of social reinforcers <laughs> you know you know loosely speaking you'll be punishing yourself sure <laughs> right so um if it's not if it's not worth it if it's not fun to take away your your own things that you like then just try to do something else you know there there could be an easier thing like you know we all we all live for the weekend we all live for those birthday parties you know we love catching up with our friends so you know maybe maybe decide that that's you know that's non-negotiable time for you and you know maybe you can make better adjustments to your tuesday evening dinner and your thursday lunch or whatever it is you know yeah if if something's that important to you then you know let's not take away our our most preferred activities right let's just try to change something that maybe we're we're less enthusiastic about so that's all i would say yeah that's yep exactly all right cool all right so um Let's talk about kind of workout strategies. So again, I've got these 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 kind of new new toys mm-hmm. um, or newish toys, uh, and um, so 
uh, I've really come to enjoy strength training. Uh, yeah. More generally, you know. Uh, Being uh, strong is fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, um, I... It, 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 it obviously confers health benefits, but, you know, it, it also is... is, is um, I don't know, you know, as I get older, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm 45 right now mm -hmm. and, you know, just being strong is also, um, uh, especially walking around here in New Hampshire, you know, you slip and fall on an icy sidewalk, you know, being strong oh, is sure. helpful under those circumstances. Yes, very you know, much so, yeah. Uh, you know, it can prevent, you know, uh, prevent injury, um, right. you know, it can prevent, you know, I mean, um, all sorts of things so it's not it's not for me it's it has nothing to do with whatever the vanity of of of, mm -hmm. of, of being muscular you know right is, is could potentially be it's more about you know the, these things uh you know perhaps confer a a, a protective benefit uh mm -hmm. and, and, and you know one of the things is um gosh what's it called the um the do you, are you familiar with the podcast the drive with uh dr peter atia uh, not the podcast, but I've heard of Peter, Peter Atia. Yeah, um, so he's got an awesome podcast called The Drive, and uh, on it he talks about. Um, so for those who aren't familiar with Peter Atia, he's a, he's a he's a doctor, and he kind of specializes in 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 longevity and all sorts of other you know things, and he's uh, a, a bit of a of a self experimenter as well, and has done all sorts of crazy things like. Uh, long distance swimming and you know he, he goes on these like epic seven day water only fast things like that you know and again <laughs> things I would never yeah. ever do but um, yeah. he talks about him and he's also a wicked data nerd like he always wears a he, he wears one of those um, continuous glucose monitors oh okay uh, and um, actually I think maybe he was a researcher that I, I heard on a podcast that like he their point was about how people have different physiological responses to like glucose and bread. And so like he and his wife, just as an example, would they would eat a piece of bread and sample their blood sugar right away with controlling everything else. And his wife was fine, but he would have he would have all kinds of problems. I think it was him. Yeah, that's, that sounds like, yeah, something he would do. Yeah, like his his, his the, the his blood sugar would spike in response to that or his insulin or whatever. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um yeah. So uh, anyway, so he talks about, you know, wanting to, you know, what, what he wants to be able to do at like 80 or 90 years old. Uh, and he, and he, and he has the, 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 uh, I think he calls it the octogenarian Olympics. Of, of, oh, right. Of these yeah. Tasks. I've heard about those. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the, what are the, what are the capability, what cap, what are the capabilities that, you know, he wants to have uh, when, when he's that old and, and, and it's, it's funny. And, and it all comes back to doing weight training now, uh, mm -hmm. to be prepared to do these things then. Yeah, I just and, have to pause you for an idea. Sure. So if you have, you know, so how long have you currently been on your strength training program off and on the past, what, four or five years? Uh, mm, well with, with the, with the kettlebells. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've right. been definitely working with those for a while. Um, the, the barbell has probably been something I've started in the last, I want to say six months or so. Okay. So I'll give, I'll give you a, a three, four years, four years at most. Right. So think about this, like as far as like perspective, right? Let's say you, Matt Sicoria, host of the behavioral observations podcast said, I want to do the same thing at 80 that this Peter Atia guy is talking about. That just means 
you have another 40 years of working out ahead of you and you just begun. So just think about that. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just like, oh, wow, I, you know, I don't know what's happening now. And just think about like all the skills you've developed now. I think about it with myself. I've only been really consistently training as an adult for only five to six years. I'm just like, wow, I'm, if this is a commitment I've made, like I'm just getting started, I'm going to be, you know, that much stronger at 45, 55, 65, you know, of course with modifications along the way, but that's just an idea of just like, yeah, 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 we're just, we're just getting started, you know, and you know, I wish I started earlier, but you know, I'm thankful that we're here now. So yeah, definitely. Uh, that's a good, that's a good perspective. Um, so we, we feel old at 45 and 50, but if we love this, this journey of health and fitness, this is really just the beginning. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so some of the things he wants to be able to do at that age is, uh, he wants to be able to goblet squat 35 pounds. Um, he wants to overhead press, um, oh, I forget the number, but he wants to be able to overhead press a certain weight. Uh, a strict strict shoulder press. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and a couple other things. Um, but, but the, um, the purpose of those are very functional in nature, mm-hmm. you know. So, the goblet squad basically, he wants to be able to pick up a a, a grandchild who's you know a toddler who's you know. Uh, That's uh, right. You know the the overhead press. He wants to be able to put a a, a carry on bag in an airplane overhead mm-hmm. luggage compartment. Yep. You know. That's right. In other words, he wants to have the, I guess, physiological capability. Uh, to to enjoy life, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just li- lifespan, but you know, health span, you know, uh, and so I I, I just um, I'll try to find. I, I think he's written about this, and I'll try to find out the other elements of the the octogenarian Olympics, the other the, mm-hmm. the other games, if you will. Um, right. But I I just thought that was pretty cool because they're all tied to very functional movements and and mm-hmm. activities that that uh would be would would deliver enormous quality of life at that mm-hmm. you know at that age the ability to travel the ability to interact pick up your grandkids and and and, and interact with them and oh i think mm-hmm. one of them is like get up off the ground unassisted you know? right like, yeah yeah those know? are all you know good i think you know functional skills which i think as behavior analysts if if we were to put some type of value on this it's like do you value being as independent as possible in your life when you're older mm-hmm. and i think that question the answer to that is like then that will should dictate the next you know 20 to 40 years of your adult strength training life it's like you want to be as strong as possible as long as possible so you don't need any help because once you have other people help you do all these physical activities then it becomes that vicious feedback loop of okay i i don't have you know say i lose the ability to squat off the toilet and that's that's often a uh, an indicator of you know your, your, that's your license, that's your ticket to the nursing home. Once you cannot get off the toilet anymore, right? You can't do you can't do a squat off of a toilet, then that means somebody else needs to help you. And when people start helping you, your muscle, you'll use your muscles in your legs less. Mm-hmm. And when you use your muscles in your legs less, they become weaker. So you need more help. So it's that whole, you know, oh, yeah. that, that type of feedback loop going the wrong way. So it's, you know, there's probably more to it, you know, as, as it relates to osteoporosis and aging and all these things. But the general idea, I think, is is clear that, you know, for me, as a behavior analyst, if I'm looking at, you know, working with somebody or thinking about my own health and behavior, it's like, is this activity, is this programming going to help me 
stay as an independent functioning human being, you know, as long as possible. Yeah. You know, one of the things I thought of uh, that kind of tied back to what you're talking about in terms of the, you know, the next 30 or 40 years uh, you're talking about a few minutes ago is that a, um, a buddy of mine uh, was telling me a story. He went to his doctor a few, this is a few years ago. He's, he's a couple years older than me. I think he, I think he's 50. Um, and so he went in for his yearly physical with his doctor and uh, he's, the doctor's like, well, you know, you gained, uh, you gained, I think it was like two or three pounds this year. And so my friend was like, that's it? Awesome. He was like getting ready to high five the doctor. Hmm. And the doctor's like, hang on. He's like, you're 50 years old or whatever, however old he was at the time. Right. If you come back every year, Oh, right, right. <laughs> you, know, you know, guess what's going to happen? forgot to do that years. linear math there, That's right? right. Let yes. alone probably all the other biomarkers that are... That go along with that, yeah. You know, so, correlate with you know, weight so, gain. As, as, you know, so again, just another, another uh, uh, I guess, thing to think about in terms of, you know, looking out in terms of a, of a, of a long-range yeah. uh, view of, 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 of longevity, so... And I think that taps into just a couple of general areas, too, of, um, you know, just thinking about, like, what it is that we're, you know, responding to when it comes to, okay, I'm going to follow these guidelines and, you know, something, like I said, the, like, the 150 minutes of cardio, you know, cardiovascular activity, the matter of vigorous activity. So we, we know that one, right? So that comes down to just take a, a, um, a 30-minute jog five times a week or 10,000 steps, right? A lot of people know that with Fitbit. So that's just promoting that general, general activity, but that does not, you know, assess or account for these functional movements we're talking about. Yes, I can walk, you know, so I got good heart health, but then, you know, if we're not continually strength training, right, I think everybody should do some form of strength training, um, then we don't know how well people can goblet squat like peter atio wants to do 85 right that's important like i want to be able to pick up my grandkids right or you know i'm not trying to pick on people who just walk all day or run but that's just general idea like okay we know i can check the box that's it doc i did 150 minutes but they don't know if we can back squat with good form they don't know if we can do a good push-up and we know keep our shoulders in good position things like that so it's it's always this continual balance of you know what it's hard to measure behavior it's hard to give good feedback on behavior. It's hard to change behavior. But now we need to now think about that next level of, okay, these are our initial metrics. Now, what what else do we need to consider when it comes to functional, you know, independent living? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so, again, that's where the I, – I've really enjoyed, you know, kind of playing around with the, you know, for, I think I think the kettlebells were like the gateway drug to you mm-hmm. know, other, other forms. Did you catch up Pablo's last uh, – episode on joe rogan i did i did yeah that was very i had never listened to pavel speak you know uninterrupted like that and it was it was very good yeah um so why don't you tell us people who uh pavel uh is so he is pretty much the the russian king of the kettlebells that brought kettlebell training to um the united states and um for his money he thinks that strength training you know needs to come first and foremost everything you know mainly he's talking about you know functional living because it helps you become strong in every aspect of your life and you know kettlebell training um is great because it uses your body weight you can do it anywhere um it uses 
all it's a full body workout so you know and if you if you set up your program right you'll get strong and um you know it comes with all the benefits of um yeah all all the important health benefits he's you know he's been doing it for however however long he's been doing it since he was what did he say since he was like six in russia and he's probably what in his 50s now or he said he, right. did, he said he doesn't tell his age that's right that's <laughs> he right yeah. he, he was he was uh surprisingly coy with that response so um i i will put a link to that that interview he was on the, um, so if you don't know who pavel is you you can uh you can see him uh get interviewed by joe rogan for i don't know hour and a half two hours or something like that but he's, he's an interesting dude and he's written a ton of books and there's probably a gazillion pavel youtube videos uh on on the interwebs as well um yeah. but if yeah he is like the uh the ambassador the literal ambassador of, of, of kettlebells so yeah. um it was interesting that like he w- he wasn't he didn't think like everybody encouraged him to write a book about kettlebell training but i could i cannot remember why he thought like Americans just wouldn't like do kettlebell training. Do you, do you remember I, what that? I remember that part, part of the about? conversation. Yeah. I can't remember the rationale. Um. Yeah. Anyway. I yeah and I, I yeah I, I rather than speculate, I'll just encourage folks to go uh, uh check out that episode because I um uh, I could just make up an answer that's not true. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Um. But yeah. So. Um, anyhow, so yeah, using the, using the kettlebells, using the weights and things like that, I, I think is, uh, I, th- I think we've adequately described, uh, the rationale for, for, for doing that. So yeah, so my, my, my plan is to kind of get back and do at least three times a week of, of weight training with the, with the, uh, uh particularly with the barbell, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then, um, have a couple of days of, uh, of, of, uh, of cardio, whether that's, you know, I've got, a, uh, I don't ride a, a bike on the road anymore. Cause I'm, I don't want to get run over by a, a, sure. a teenager who's texting. Um, right. uh, but I have it set up on a trainer in the basement. And so, uh, and I've got some kind of fun little tools that kind of, it's all super nerdy stuff for us behavior analysts who love data, but, uh, mm-hmm. they can transmit the wattage you know, oh, to, to the cool. computer screen in front of me as well as heart rate and stuff like that. So, um, huh. so to do two, at least two, uh, of those workouts a week, um, at kind of like a low steady pace, um, and then try to pick up some kind of bonus activities on top of that, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's, you know, snowshoeing, uh, at this time of year, or if I, you know, grab a day, uh, you know, skiing or something like that. So again, try to, but some sort of physical activity, uh, mm-hmm. you know, try to plan for something daily, um, but at minimally having those anchored around those, those three, uh, you know, weight training days a week. So that's kind of yeah. where I'm I think thinking. That's, that's a great start. Is that where you kind of left off before your, your holiday? Um, yeah. Yeah, there? pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I would try to try to, um, and what I would try to do is, is, um, is to lift my goal or not my goal, but what I would try to do is lift every other day, knowing that one of those days would be interrupted. So, you know, right. right, So I would catch, you know, so it would be like, you know, every other day, but sometimes it would be every, you know, it would be, you know, life would happen. It would be like the day Mm -hmm. after. So it would, you know, um, and that way it would 
it would just kind of account for those things that uh, that that come up if there is, uh, you know, one of my kids has a basketball game or something like that or what have you. Uh, one of the things I'm also, I, I've always been kind of like an afternoon uh, slash early evening worker outer. Um, mm-hmm. I've never been one to, you know, I I really. Um, you know, you brought up Jim Moore earlier. I, I, I know he gets at it really early and yep, gets I, it out of the I, way. Yeah. I and, work out at six and six o'clock in the morning. So it's uh, just, you know, a thing I've had a conversation with my wife about this, how, you know, I have a new job, meeting new people, you know, we learn about new, you know, everybody's new hobbies and everything. And, um, you know, a lot of people say, Oh man, I wish I could, I wish I could work out in the morning. And I always say like, well, you can, you know, and just my, unsolicited advice is it takes about three to four weeks for your body to get used to waking up that early and then you just keep doing it and then you go to the gym you know so it's you know it doesn't just happen you know overnight so you know it's and again preferences do you want to work out in the morning that means you're going to be brewing coffee earlier in the morning you got to make sure your clothes are ready in the morning so it's all these things that go along with it so well you know that ties into some listener questions that that uh people were kind enough to send in so perfect do you want to do you want to Take advantage of this perfect segue you teed up. Let's do it. All right. This is the segue. All right. Um, so I'm going to kind of go out of order here because that what you just mentioned is perfect for Will's question. So, uh, so Will writes in. Uh, he said, "I think my predicament is like many, setting up contingencies that get me out of the door and to the gym. If I can get in the car, I'm in good shape." And I'm assuming right. there's a but after that somewhere. Right. But good you know, shape. But you know. <laughs> I think we have to consider like what are all the barriers, right? What are the variables we can look at? Is it um, when you get in the car and um, you didn't wake up early enough, so you're going to be late to the gym, or the gym's not open? Um, when you get in the car, how far away is your car to the to the gym? If it is going to be a high response effort, um, I think that's you know something, um, you know very, you know scratching the service here something you know uh to consider i know i worked in a sales role for a gym a while ago and that was one of the biggest barriers if you don't live within 15 minutes of a or 10 to 15 minutes of a gym and now you know you can find really kind of any flavor of fitness out there around you but if there's not one close you know that's going to be a big barrier because it comes with you know if i got to go 20 minutes east and my work is 30 minutes west that's that's a whole two hours you got to figure out right so um, for you, Matt, you have no excuse because you can just go downstairs. <laughs> well, I did that out of necessity because I live in the middle of nowhere. So right, you there know, you go. Yeah. The, so the going to a gym, the response effort was huge. You know, so huge, I, yep. I, I I built this out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just like just some of the other variables that we talked about. So, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I worked with a client that okay, it, it had been ten, fifteen years since you had been to a gym and the gym atmosphere. The globo gym atmosphere. We just start there. It's it's got to be just this whole young person Instagram model world where this is what people are doing, taking pictures of themselves working out, which just looks, you know, it's just a totally bizarre atmosphere, which can create intimidation. And you don't know what to do, and you don't want to look, you know, silly, not knowing what you're doing. Uh, so you have all these things playing in, and so you think about, okay, if I show up to the gym, do I know what to do? Is there programming available? Do I do I have the time? Are there are there, is there enough equipment? I know when I was going to, um, you know, these Globo gyms, right? So you have, you know, Gold's Gym, you know, Planet Fitness, you have um, Lifetime Fitness, you have LA Fitness, right? They're all popular gyms. When you go there, 5 o'clock, all the cardio machines are gone it's your, or, or taken. It's your cardio day. You're going to wait around for half an hour. So there's all these things 
then those are contingencies that those are the natural contingencies that are going to you know affect really what's happening with you you know starting starting getting to your car starting it up and going places so i think about those natural barriers those natural consequences as opposed to you know oftentimes you get questions of right how do we arrange contingencies kind of artificially well that's never going to be um that's never going to be like an end goal like i'm not going to arrange you know i'm not going to fade out like a you know a token economy i know will probably wasn't going there with that question but just just thinking about that it's more like you know we have to look at how the contingencies are currently arranged and look at what is that piece that makes the most sense for me you know do I know what to do when I when I get to the gym? If so, okay, is it um, the cost, right? Can I not afford to go there anymore? Is it the distance, right? So all these things I think we can begin looking at and then, you know, addressing how we can increase our gym attendance. Yeah, and if if the gym if getting to the gym, you know, I think one of the things that uh, Jim mentioned when he was on the uh, uh, on the show uh, talking about how he's been successful is I, th- I think he said something like he sleeps in his gym clothes. So he just r- literally gets out of bed and, walk, <laughs> and you yep. know, um, or has them right near nearby. So the, the mm-hmm. that, that barrier is, is, is pretty much eliminated. So it's just looking at all those things that get in the way. One other thing that, you know, uh, again, well, one of the things you might do is just hop on the Asheville Craigslist and see if there's any kettlebells, Right. You know, uh, someone's trying to get rid of, and you can do a little experiment to see if that's a, a workout modality that would work for you. Grab mm-hmm. a 16 kilogram ke- kettlebell, um, right. you know, get some, get a little bit of coaching on how to use it correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, there's tons of free programming out there for, for right. those on the interwebs. So, um, yeah. that and also, pull up bar, you know, yeah. and, uh, right. So those you know, are very basic, yeah. Environmental manipulations, Put some antecedents in the environment. In Jim, in Jim's case, he put the antecedents on himself by wearing his own gym clothes. There you go. Um, All right, cool. All right, well, thanks for that question, um, uh, Michael. Writes in a great question. Uh, how do you go about breaking exercise skills down using shaping? For example, how do you go about breaking down Olympic lifts, muscle ups, handstand pushups, etc.? All right, those okay, yeah, just those those examples, yeah. So yeah, you, yeah, just, you just Michael, you pick, you pick very complicated movements. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you know, I'd say the snatch is the Olympic lift. You know, the snatch is probably one of the most complicated movements. Uh, a ring muscle up, with gymnastics rings hanging, you know, from a dead hang to getting on top of the rings. Um, handstand push-ups, of course, are very difficult. So really, all of those those compound movements, right? They have multiple steps in there. You know, you could break down, you know, like Jim did in his article, you have the, you have the setup to the snatch, you have the first pull, you have the second pull, you have the catch, you know, you have standing up. So you look at those kind of larger macro steps and you can break those down even further. So, um, that would be something like, you know, where the Olympic lift, the snatch, and you can, you know, you can obviously look at Jim's article and break those steps down and, you know, check the boxes to see, you know, did you reach triple extension? You know, how stable were you? Did you catch the bar? Um, you know, did you set up the barbell correctly? All those things. But now, when you get into more skilled movements like a um, uh, like a handstand push-up, you know, the handstand push-up, if you do it strict so you don't have any motion behind you, that is kind of like an end result, you know, movement. So that's going to be the result of a lot of strength and stability, um, and so you could almost 
do like a probe to determine like where somebody is kind of in the whole, um, you know, scaling of that movement. So if, you know, the end movement is the handstand push-up, and you say, okay, go do one. And if they can't do it, then you might back up to say, okay, can you do a um, can you do a kipping handstand push-up? And that all that means is you just have momentum where you put, you know, you you bend your legs down, basically you're upside down, <laughs> and you use your legs to propel you upwards towards the ceiling, right? Um, and if, pers- if a person can't do that, then you kind of back up to, okay, can you do a, you know, maybe the next progression you choose is, a pike push-up where you're you have your feet on a box and then you're just kind of doing like a like a diamond push-up over your head. So you have different you know different scaled versions you can look at just to figure out kind of where you are kind of in the scheme and you know before um, I'm not sure what the step is here but like you know the bear crawl is a precursor movement to um, you know a pike push-up on a box and then the bo- the box is going to pre- be a precursor to you know, standing up vertically. So they all kind of build on each other. So just, I think where you would start is you probe where you are and kind of the progression of the movement. And then you break that down, right? You go, you know, let's say you can do a bear crawl, but you can't do a pike push up. Okay. Let's figure out where the breakdown is. And then you start looking at, you know, your strength, you know, your strength programming to help with, um, those type of movements. And that would, you know, largely probably be comprised of if you're looking at Handstand push-ups, you'll be doing a lot of, you know, shoulder, you know, overhead shoulder presses. You'll do a lot of, you know, you know, dips and things like that, you know, those types of workouts. So that's how I would go about it. All right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think the first stop again would be checking out Jim's article, as, as Nick suggested, mm-hmm. Michael. So, uh, all right. Selena uh, writes in, um, what are your thoughts, Nick, about the show The Biggest Loser? Uh, I, I've never... I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of them aware of what it is, but uh, from what I from what she writes here, the show has received a lot of criticism on how contestants lost weight, uh, perhaps too much too fast, uh, but to gain it back um, uh, later, um, uh, apparently because of uh, lifestyle changes were not set up with enough support, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I guess two questions here. What what do you think of the show itself, and what are some changes would you make to the show from a behavioral approach to help contestants get more sustainable results? Mm, wow, there's a a lot in that question there. Um, yeah, I think like you, Matt, I haven't watched the show a lot. Uh, you know, I know of it, um, and you know, I don't know the the literature that well, but I know a lot of uh, a lot of health and you know, weight loss studies have looked at like that rebound weight gain effect after, you know, biggest loser contestants, like they use those actual participants and there was a, yeah, uh, weight gain right away. And, you know, I don't know, you know, what all the physiological mechanisms are, but, um, unfortunately, um, that happened, but I think the, just my first reactions would be is that, you know, the biggest loser, it's a, it's a show and they want to sell ratings and it's all this very heightened artificial, you know, heightened in, 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 re, in respect to, you know, there's a lot of production value. People are, you know, they're on ranches, they're running up hills, they're, you know, they have their own private studios, they have celebrity trainers. And if we're talking about stimulus fading in and of, a, of an intervention and an intervention fading out, like people went from, you know, being inactive to get the superstar treatment to we never saw what the what the follow, you know, we didn't see what the intervention was. Like when people left, it's like, okay, you know, we're done taping now. Like, we're, right. you know, we're done, 
you know, um, working with you for TV purposes, right? We'll just leave it there. And so they do the follow-up and, you know, they only pick, you know, they only pick the highlights of like, oh, yeah, you maintain, but, you know, all the other biggest loser contestants that gain the weight, right, they're in the research studies now. So um, as an intervention, I think it would be, you know, it's probably not. It's probably not a made-for-TV. <laughs> it's, it's not a. Yeah, we're, we we can be kind of an unsexy uh, intervention yeah, at times, right? Yeah, and that, I think that's just the nature of creating sustainable behavior changes. Um, you know, like the client I refer to, it's like we talk about what we need to change every couple of weeks, and we've been doing that, and that's you know for the past nine months, and it's just focusing on a couple aspects of you know, her lifestyle and data and we give feedback and it's not, it's not me yelling at her, you know, rolling in the grass and flipping tires and all that. It's it's not, it's not a, it's not going to sell a lot of ratings. So, you know, so getting back to the intervention, it's, it's, um, you've got too much of that Midwest nice going on to, 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 for that type of shit. We all have a price, right? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think if I were to change anything to get back to the question, it would be slowly changing, working with preferences versus like, we're going to yell at you. We're going to, you know, again, everything is like changing all at once, you know, and I guess rightly so, so to speak, is that there's men there, you know, the folks on the show are morbidly obese, so they need a drastic intervention. And that's what, you know, they're looking for extreme results. And, you know, it's coupled with, you know, cosmetic surgeries and all that, you know, and you... Oh, really? Has that been a part of it? I, I, I'm not... I think so, if I remember it correctly. It's, um, you know, the winners or sponsors, like, you lose a bunch of weight, and so, you know, you might have excess skin, and so you oh, could get that okay, surgically okay. removed. I think I that was a big piece, you know. Um, yeah, it wasn't so much that, yeah, it was like gastric bypass or anything like that. It was like, you lost the weight, so... You know, you were you were formerly uh, an obese person with lots of skin, so you had that removed. So, um, yeah. Got so it. I, you know, again, the intervention I would like to see more of a fading in, fading out because it's just, you know, we see the promo reels of baseline. You didn't do anything, you know, with, and then now it's we wouldn't do that with kids, right? Sometimes it happens, right? With our most of our clients, it's like we want to fade out services. We want to gradually bring them into the program. We're not just going to say, all right, we're going to do, you know, timeout response costs. You know, you're going to have to do extra handwriting and do all this all at once to change your rate. Like, no, it, we need, (laughs) there's, there's, there's grady, there's gradations in there. All right, cool. All right. Uh, last question here from Kevin. Uh, I haven't done much research on it, but Noom claims to be a cognitive behavioral approach to losing weight. What information is there about it truly being grounded in CBT? Uh, are you familiar with Noom? Nope, not at all. All right, all right, yeah. So from what I've seen, I've just seen like ads on Facebook and stuff like that. It's a, I think it's an app. Really? Okay. Um, and I think it's yeah. So I don't know, Kevin. I'm sorry, we don't know a lot about that. Um, and uh, Noom. So it's an app that you use. It's based in. Yeah, yeah. Cognitive behavior therapy. Yeah, again, this is a situation where probably listeners are like, yeah, it's this. You know. Yeah, it's this. Okay, it says on their homepage, I'm looking at to find out what's possible with Noom psychology based evaluation. I mm. want to either lose weight for good or deep. get fit for good. So, um, I think it, you know. So this is where we need to so speak of Joe. We've mentioned the Joe Rogan disca- podcast many times. This is where we need that guy Jamie who Google's everything. You know. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm acting as Jamie right now. They have the yeah. social indicators. They have clinically proven British medical journal, nature magazine. They have, uh, all the major players, Samsung, Blue Colors, Blue Shield, Philips, Aetna. So, um, it's, Sounds like it has some good social backing and science behind it. I, I don't know. I know nothing about it other than if I were to evaluate the new map, I would say tracker baseline data with my fitness bow calories. Try Noom. Try it without. See what happens. AB, ABA design. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess one of the things uh, that's related to this is I wanted to bring up before we hopped off here is uh, I think we talked about wearable tech the last time you were on. Uh, okay. Fitbits, Apple Watches, etc. Um, have there been any advances that you've seen with these devices? Uh, do you have devices you recommend or that you've seen work well or anything like that? Or is it pretty much the same as it was the last time we talked about it? Yeah, I'm just going to... Uh, it's pretty much, from what I've seen, the same. Where I think we've probably hit kind of the ceiling in all the different features that can be um, uh, measured nowadays. But um, on the, I have an Apple Watch, I have an iPhone. Um, they have a new trends feature on the on the um, on the activity app for the for the iPhone. Um, however, um, you need the newer watches to capture this new data. So they have um, a stand minutes. Uh, metric, a uh, cardio, fitness, walking pace, running a pace. A stand minutes. A stand that, minutes, that, right? Of that should be that should be the Nick one. Green, uh, you know. Uh, that's right. Uh, that's signature model, right? With this. So yeah, I guess I need to hit up Apple to get me a, 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 a standing minute, you know, capable watch. But so my watch apparently doesn't have the technology to have that, but I'm sure some listeners do have the newer Apple watches. So you have the trends there that so you can see like you know, what your, what your trend is. However, as a behavior analyst, um, you're just looking at like a weekly data point and it's just an up arrow, down arrow. I want to see the line graph, of course. So you can't, it's hard to get. And I, you know, I, I touched on how to just get the step data in a tutorial video recently. So I love the technology. It's there. Um, but, uh, I haven't seen any really groundbreaking, um, advances. There is a, a new, um, uh, a wearable that's been around for a couple of years called, um, I think it's the Zoom Band. Let me look at it. Not Noom, but Zoom. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah. It's called Whoop. There's one called Whoop oh, or Whoop. something. That's what it is, not Whoop. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to track sleep and heart rate and stuff like that. Yeah, it looks pretty right. cool. So there's, uh, I know a couple of people that, um, it seems like a couple of people that now, um, friends of mine that have it, and it seems like their algorithms... You know, it doesn't have an interface, a touchscreen or anything. So it just, they're really focused on like all the biometric data. So they have an algorithm that calculates like your recovery, um, your recovery um, time and like how much strain you have put on your body. And so basically you want to correlate that, that metric with, you know, how you're feeling and what, you know, how hard you should push yourself that day. And whether or not you should kind of work out. So it's you're measuring your recovery. I'm looking at the website now, building strain, and it looks at your sleep. So it factors in your workouts, your sleep, your day-to-day -day activity, and you know, it seems like they're onto something neat there. So yeah, I don't know if I would like it because it's all app-based and you can't 
quickly look at it on your wrist. So that's very like you have to have, I think, some specific goals to really capitalize on the the data capabilities of that device. Yeah, and you might use that less in, in, in real time. You know, you might be looking at things on, on, on a longer scale with that, I would imagine, in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, like, heart rate variability and th things like that. You know, I think, um, yeah. um, I, you know, I would probably not mind that because I don't typically wear a watch. Um, or I, not typically. I don't wear a watch. Um, and so I don't think that would really – not having a graphic display on it wouldn't really bother me uh, too, too much. Right. But, um, yeah, another one that I've seen people, uh, Peter Atia, I think, is, uh, uses a, um, the, it's called an aura ring. Um, okay. and it's a ring, like you, it, it pretty much measures, measures sleep and as, as well as like a lot of other kind of markers. Uh, and, and you basically just put it on at night and it measures like the quality of the sleep and, oh, that's neat. um, how much time you spent in different stages and and things like that your mm -hmm. latency to fall asleep yeah um, it, it looks pretty cool they're they're pretty pricey so mm -hmm. it's not something that's you know kind of in my budget at, at, at this point in time although uh although if you're listening or uh i, I do i do accept sponsors but uh <laughs> <laughs> or if, if it, or, or a rep or, or whoop or whatever <laughs> yeah you know yeah uh, i think I, for me you know like the technology is kind of you know seems like it's got the wearable technology is kind of hitting like the a consumer ceiling of the price points and all, you know, what, what can be currently measured. And, um, you know, the technology is, you know, fantastic. Um, you know, tracks more than probably we know what to do with. And you know, I think it still just comes down to how often are you going to review that data or if, is somebody going to review it for you with you, you know, if you have a coach and then what behavior do you want to change related to it? Right. So we have, you know, there's, you know, there's, pedometers have been around for 30 years but they weren't as cool and they were just like little plastic things you wear on your hip right so it's it's still the same data right <laughs> they figured out how to make the little ticker thing bounce but um it's just a matter of you know we have data are you ready to do so you know do something with it and then if so how do you quickly find it and the apps are a fantastic way to do that and or yeah fantastic way to do that and then um yeah then how do you want to respond to the data that's the biggest thing so Awesome. That's well, the value of the data. Awesome. Well, thanks for bringing this back to just basic principles. Uh, after you know, so um, I uh, I think we pretty much covered all the the points in, in our little uh, agenda here. Um, are there any any final thoughts that uh, that perhaps you want to leave the listeners with, and or if people are interested in you know kind of learning more about the you know types of coaching solutions and things like that that you provide uh, sure again just remind people where they can you know get a hold of you yeah i think i'll um just kind of close with a, a comment or two just on just general health and fitness and i'll add that there um yeah so i think you know i've had just over the couple past couple of years I had a lot of people just reach out about like you know how do i get how do i get started like what do i do in health and fitness i'm really interested and um you know i think just the theme what we've been talking about is just comes down to the basic principles and just trying to measure like one thing at a time and just following that and you know there's obviously there's some you know there there's uh there's a lot of things to track and figuring that out is you know sometimes difficult but um you know it can be done so just focus on you know what um what you need to measure and just look for those functional relations just like any other behavior. And I think, you know, as long as you have a good, you know, just keeping it simple, 
you know, when it comes to a new application of behavior analysis, if it's fitness, you know, if you want to do that, that's great. If it's something else, just sticking with those principles, you know, and letting the data guide your decisions. Um, I don't think you can get, you know, you can get wrong, you know, um, and just, you know, stay tight with what, what's happening. Like we, if we don't know something as a reinforcer, then, you know, let's not call it a reinforcer, right? Um, we have a good <laughs> idea. Something could be a fun, enjoyable, you know, reward or something, but you know, it, you know, I think kind of distracts from the analysis sometimes. So I think just that those same basic principles, again, just to tie to, you know, my application of health and fitness, just staying true to those, uh, I think you'll be all right. So um, with that being said, yeah, you can find, um, you know, a lot of my work. I've been, you know, uh, having, you know, I've been writing a blog, um, creating videos and podcasts on my, my main site um, at behaviorfit.com. And um, I've been re- revamping kind of like what I've been creating for people to um, kind of learn about what I do and how I measure behavior and analyze behavior um, as it relates to health and fitness. So I've um, just started on a couple of tutorial videos on um, the U- my YouTube channel and Instagram. So just check me out there and you can always email me at nick at behaviorfit.com and I'll be happy to, you know, talk about whatever as it relates to fitness and behavior analysis. All right. The newly minted Dr. Nick Green. <laughs> Thanks for joining me again. It's a fun conversation as always. Alrighty. Thank you, sir. That's it for today's episode. To learn more about Behavior Fit, visit www.behaviorfit.com. And if you haven't already, follow me on social media. I'm active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just find me at BehaviorFit, B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R-F-I-T. And look forward to hearing from you and keep moving.